Hi, welcome to People Unplugged, the podcast from the creative team at People Unboxed. During each show, we aim to spend no more than 30 minutes taking a deep dive into anything and everything L&D. What's hot and what's not, the latest trends and thought leadership, the technology we're using to help learning stick, and of course, expert interviews with the key people within the learning industry. I'm your host, Paul Westlake, so let's get started. This month, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by Jez Anderson, founder at Praxis, an agency that helps both organisations and individuals to understand how they can drive positive performance change. We've got quite a lot to cover, so let's get going. Good morning, Jez. Thanks for being so generous with your time. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. It's very. It's nice to be here. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, but always a pleasure. So, can we start with the the praxis thing? I, I, I think I pronounced it correctly, and I don't want listeners to think I can't say practice. So maybe we could talk about um, where the name practice—that's P-R-A-X-I-S comes from. Is that just like a cool thing, or does it actually mean something I don't understand? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad that you think it's a cool thing. I'm quite, I'm quite, I'm quite pleased with the word. I didn't create it. It's an old word, and it sort of refers to the whole thing about um exercise and practicing the arts of science if you like so it's it's a little bit about how do you inform um practical activity um with 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 um understanding from a literature point of view from a from a research point of view so it's it's being able to bring the thinking around it from a not necessarily academic but from a you know from a, a the 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 more thought leadership side of things, but then actually a practical setting for that. Um, it came about when I did my master's a few years ago and I, I, I termed myself as a, a pragmatic academic. And, um, and in some ways, that's where praxis came from on the back of that. Fantastic. There you go. Every day's a school day. I've learned something already. That's, that's cool. <laughs> so um, so you, 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 obviously, I know you relatively well. Um, I'm very aware that our, our listeners don't. So practice is obviously just your latest venture, if you like. So it's fair to say mm-hmm. you've got a wealth of experience in L&D, both traditional face-to-face delivery as well as probably more recently in, in the digital space. So can you tell us a bit about that work history and maybe the journey you've been on to get to a position where you are, where where you decided to set up your own learning consultancy? Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I, I started out many, many years. I mean, I've worked in learning development for what is 30 years now so it's a long time i know i don't look old enough for, but i have i have that's why it's all on podcast there's no video yeah exactly exactly so it's uh, 30 30 odd years now um so i started out pretty much with a with a sense i didn't know quite what it was that i was doing i i worked for a local authority so i used to live in hull and i started off um working for humberside county council that was um in a very uh an interesting role i was a, a I was a lifting and handling instructor. So that's where it all began. Um, that's sort of so health and safety to, stuff, is it? Health and safety stuff, yeah. So I came, my background before that was outdoors. So I used to do outdoor instruction and that sort of stuff. So that's sort of how I drifted into it. And um, so I spent, I, I, I consider that my apprenticeship. So I did four or five years doing that sort of work, working in residential centres with, you know, some, some very um, salt of the earth people, shall we say. Um, which was great and it was great fun and I learned an awful lot about learning and how people learn in a very practical sense not in a you know not in a classroom sense because it was very practical stuff that we were doing from there I went to work for an airline so I then went to work for Air 2000 that was um, and I was uh, working on there looking after the training of 
people who were ground based. So I did a lot of work around, um, you know, tra- good trainings and all this stuff. So it was, you know, I was organizing and sourcing training and all that sort of stuff, as well as supporting some of the cabin crew and pilot training as well, which is great fun. Then I went to work for uh, Rail Track. That was it's everything that was. It's everything's disappeared. And <laughs> um, now Network Rail. I'm sure it's just coincidental. Um, it's not just you. It, it can't be a coincidental <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. So yeah, I went to work for um, what what is now Network Rail um, in York, um, and I, that was great. That was a really interesting job doing work on culture change. Um, I, I went to it not long after privatization, uh, and I spent four fairly challenging years there working around um how to develop a more commercial culture um and a more um empowered culture the one that the one that was 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 typified by um what was you know the british rail um and then from there i i got my dream job there was um and an, an organization which is still there so it's not it's um, and i went to work for a charity a local ch- a charity in the lake district called the bray they trust um, and Bray, they're an amazing organization. They've been around since 1940s. Um, it's all about experiential learning. So it's very outdoor based. Um, and Bray, they was one of the first social enterprises. So it's in essence, it's um, it started off as a as a charity working with young people. Um, latterly, from the 1970s, 80s onwards, it started to fund that work through its work with corporate businesses. So Bredo is one of the very first outdoor management development organisations. Um, so that it's the first to start using the outdoors in a management context. So it, it worked with people like John Adair in the very early days of action-centred leadership. So it was, you know, real cutting-edge stuff. Belbin, Meredith Belbin was a was a big fan of Bray there. So, you know, it, um, and it's still there. It's still doing good work. So I was there for 13 years before moving into, um, went to work to Kinia. Um, uh, sorry, no, Capita for that. Then I went to Capita. And I was at Capita for a while, which was an interesting thing. I won't talk about that one. Um, and then Kinio, where obviously where we met, um, which was uh, five years of, uh, of great digital experience. Ultimately, ended up in France, decided that uh, I wanted a change of style. So moved over to France, where I am now, and set up Praxis. Um, so, yeah, so long story. Hope it's not hope it's not too long and, and, and too dull, but it, no, it's 30, I, year, 30 I, years I, in a potted history. I, I, I think it's always great when we hear how varied your background is, but at the same time, it's, it's always been in and around L&D. So you've probably picked up an awful lot of experience from each of those roles and, and you know, and got you to where you are now. So you, you mentioned Praxis. We're, we're, we're going to get into that. And I, and I think it's fair to say Praxis is slightly different in that it's more is it more coach focused is that fair to say well praxis i've set praxis up on on two elements one about coaching coaching is a passion of mine ever since working in experiential learning with bray i i love working with people i love working at an individual level with people and coaching is probably for me in some ways it's its purest form of learning and development you know very much about person-centered the individual taking ownership and responsibility for their own actions and their own deeds so it's very much about not not formal structured learning um and for me to say that's probably it feels like learning and development in its purest sense and i get a lot i get a lot of personal pleasure out of being a coach um and working with individuals so that and that's great um Coaching isn't my whole business. The other side of my business is digital consultancy. So working very much with organizations, supporting them making digital transitions, especially at the moment, 
Um, a lot of my work is is supporting um, clients who are not struggling but battling with the transition to digital um, post pandemic. You know, the the shift away from traditional ways of working, traditional ways of delivering learning. Um, so it's it's a little bit about helping them understand the digital landscape and, and how to how to use it better for learning. So it's very very two distinct arms to praxis. I'd like to focus on the coaching bit if we can, because I know mm-hmm. that's very much yeah, your yeah. passion. But um, just quickly on 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 that digital transformation bit. I mean, you must have seen businesses that have almost been forced into that way quicker than they ever planned to be just based on um you know the pandemic and everything else is around is that fair to say yeah i think and and one of the clients i'm working with at the moment um does an awful lot of work with um government central government um through civil and civil servants um and it's incredible to think that even organizations which have got you know the size the the power, the budget that they, that those businesses, those organisations have, have all struggled with the same thing, which is about this rapid digitisation um, and getting the heads around actually what does that mean. So I think everybody made the leap very quickly. You know, basically taking your 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 PowerPoint decks and putting it online and delivering it in a virtual classroom, which is fine, which is great, but it'll only go so far. And now increasingly we're starting to, or I'm starting to to look at how do organizations blend better? How do they use digital blending to to deliver their learning programs? So how do you take existing content and develop e-learning from that? Then how do you use that in a flip classroom context? What does that look like from a virtual delivery perspective, synchronous and asynchronously? And it's, so it's, it's how do you how do you make sense of all the options that are out there? Um, so it's, I think it's a really, really interesting time for learning. Really, really interesting time. Let's get into the, the the coaching thing, if we can, and, and take a real look at that. I know it's a passion of yours and something we talked about a lot. Um, I've always associated coaching with, with sport, and I think every top athlete has got a coach, for example, and modern-day football managers aren't called managers anymore. They've been called head coaches as well because they don't want to see what they're managing, but they want to be helping their people or whatever, for whatever reason. But I think more recently, coaching has become more applicable to other areas in, of life and, and certainly in business as well. So... I know through for our friendship that you've got a love of cycling and perhaps you could coach me to be better at that, but uh, your focus is more on sort of personal and, and business coaching. So maybe you can, we can start with, can you help us understand what personal and business coaching is? And I guess the second part of that, what value you think it can add? Okay. That's a good question. I think, I think it's, it's, it's the observations absolutely bang on in terms of where coaching came from. Um, and I suppose in some ways the whole performance element of coaching is still a key part of it. Um, so John Whitmore was probably one of the first people to start, let's say, commercialising the coaching process, so moving it from a sports context into uh, the business context and the world of work. Um, and since then, you know, it's it's a massive industry and there's lots and lots of people doing it. And you know, and there's there's great amounts of quality, and maybe we can get into the whole conversation about quality and standards later. But sure. there is there's an awful lot out there in terms of people that call themselves coach. Um, so I think for me, the whole thing about coaching is that it's it's it has to be about the individual, and it has to be about their needs as as a person and what it is that they're trying to do. 
Um, and I think what we try to do is, for me, it's about looking at, yes, there's transactional-based coaching, which is, which is, which is, which is, and it's good to work with somebody who is trying to make an improvement in how they manage their time or how they manage meetings, something very practical and pragmatic and with a you know, very clear outcome. And I suppose in some ways that talks much more to it's her early history. You know, coaching in a sport context is very much about how do you identify performance improvements? What, you know, what techniques can you do differently? What things can you do differently? And it's probably only more recently, maybe in the last 10 years or so, where sports coaching has started to echo what's been happening in business coaching and personal coaching, which is much more transformational, which is much much more looking at motives, drivers, beliefs, behaviors. So it's the things that underpin why we behave in the way that we do. Because there's that thing about if you can unlock some of those drivers, some of the an understanding of some of those drivers, then you are able to understand why you behave in certain way, why you're triggered in certain ways, why you have responses to certain things, which ultimately then knock on in terms of your performance. So if you go into a meeting and you always behave in a certain way or with an individual person, you always behave in a certain way, understanding and being able to put some words to that is a way for you to help start to maybe modify your behavior so you can be, you know, improve your individual performance. So I, I, I tend to find we're, we're talking about coaching here. And I think a couple of times you've said there about training and we mentioned about teaching or I, I tend to find that sort of coaching, training, teaching, mentoring, they all seem to be used synonymously and, and sort of interchangeably, but there, there is a difference between coaching someone and training someone, isn't there? So can you put, put, put a, paint a picture around that for me. <clears throat> In terms of coaching and training, let's 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 think about it as a continuum in some ways. So, at one end of the spectrum, you've got teaching. Then you might have facilitation. Then you might have mentoring. Then you might have coaching. You know, it could be a spectrum like that. I wouldn't necessarily put. I wouldn't put facilitation, training, knowledge-based stuff on the same line as coaching and mentoring. It tends to be that coaches and mentors more much more and more aligned to you know, a line which is mentors coaches counselors therapists because it's much more about the person than it is about so how who they are as opposed to what they do and i think training tends to be much more about what people do coaching is, is maybe it's about who you are and how you do it if that makes sense so there's a, there's a distinction in terms of training about subject content skills behaviors to a degree um and coaching tends to be much more about certainly the coaching that i do tends to be much more about why how how do you improve what it is that you do you know i'm can't coach you to be a better accountant but i could coach you to be an accountant who can work better with a team or i could coach you to work uh, to to control your personal demons that stop you from doing the things that you want to do professionally or personally. Um, so I think coaching is very much about the person and about their resourcefulness as an individual, whereas training to me is much more about learning something. It's about acquiring a skill. It's about acquiring a different approach to doing something. You mentioned there about you, the example you used was um, accountant. So, mm. I mean, you're a pretty switched on guy, but surely you can't be an expert in, in all of the fields of the people you're coaching either. And is that does that not matter as in because you're talking to them about 
them as opposed to teaching them to do the job is that i don't believe it matters i think some people do believe it matters and i think some people who employ coaches believe it matters and that's their fine and that's that fine and that's their choice and fortunately there's enough coaches out there with lots of disparate backgrounds to be able to meet that need um for me coaching is much more about the motives and drives beliefs values behind why people behave so you know i've been working with people recently from the property world you know a a young guy setting out as a property developer um i've also been working with an investment banker so it's sort of like actually the what they do doesn't really matter it's about the conversation about the things that are holding them back not enabling them to realize their own potential not enabling them to be as resourceful as they potentially could be in whatever it is that they choose to do so for me that it's it's that 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 defines what coaching is this whole whole concept of resourcefulness and how do you help somebody become more resourceful and that that's starting to sound very much like a a, a partnership to me so you when you keep saying you're having those conversations how you can help them so i think coaching for me tends to be more around helping someone find the answers for themselves whereas teaching would obviously or learning would be here are the answers and do what you like with it so if we, if we go to sort of the, the i don't want to get into all models and stuff but the sort of the hershey blanchard model where you're clearly not in the directive do it this way because this is what you need to do to solve their problems and and i guess because you're dealing with such a a wide range of um industries and different types of people you can't do that anyway because you don't know what all the answers are necessarily but you're clearly in that sort of sector two sector three thing where you're coaching supporting having those conversations so a, a lot of that must be um there must be a lot of feedback given there so so if they're you obviously need them to reflect themselves but also you need to give them some sort of constructive feedback and maybe sometimes help them by telling them things that maybe they don't want to hear how do people accept that and how do you work around that because if you're working with a i don't know um say someone who's at the top of their game or, or you know someone at exec level they've brought you in but at the same time do they actually want your feedback well i mean i think again this is you know it's the old adage you can bring a horse to water but you can't make it drink you know the reality i've actually got that written down as a question it's exactly <laughs> the, that yeah the reality... come in and help me please but don't don't make me do it yeah, yeah. so the... is that what it is is it that influence without authority a coach totally and i think a coach a, a good coach is as you say it's about building a relationship it's about building a strong relationship with an individual so you create a level of trust you know because it's a one-to-one thing as a coach, personally, you know, I'm bound by a code of ethics and I work within that code of ethics. And there's things that I will not do and there's things that I won't say and there's things that I'm not there to do. Um, you know, it's and it's about confidentiality and it's about building that sense where the individual is totally in charge of where it goes. So as a coach, I have techniques, you know, I have exercises, I have things that I can do to help people unlock some of their thinking to to unblock on barrier to make some choices and decisions but i don't choose where that goes and how, where we start from that that's the individual that does that all i do and all any good coach would do is they would listen they would engage they would have a conversation and they would use their their armory their toolkit if you like to support that individual achieve the goals that they want to to achieve so 
you know, I talk about the, the difference between the, the, you know, the young guy setting out in property development and the, the, the investment banker, the, you know, the young guy setting out in development, our conversations with God, they were so tactical. They're really tactical. You know, it was about how does he do things and he knew how to do stuff, but he liked, liked some confidence to do it. So a lot of the conversations we had were about me asking him questions about how he was going to go about doing some stuff. Um, and you know, and it unlocked for him. It helped him then take some action, make some changes, and 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 ultimately develop his confidence. The investment bank was a different ball game. That was about relationships with his peers, relationships with his seniors within the business. How does he get promoted? All this sort of stuff. So it was, you know, equally revelationary for him in some of the conversations that we had. But the coaching bit is about being able to say, this is what their needs are, and then how do I use the toolkit to help them get to the point that they want they want to get to not the point that i think they should get to because it's not about me it's about them so you mentioned that sort of toolkit there and i'm, I'm presuming that's a number of maybe self-assessment things and reading and, and whatever it may be so but let, maybe you can you can tell us talk us through that process so typically I don't know, say a, a client approaches you and says, Jez, you know what, I, I need some help. I'm I'm struggling with whatever it may be. What, what does that process look like? So I think the first thing for me is that, and what's really, really important is that you get on well together as people and that, you know, there's a chemistry. So it's a bit of a classic thing. We have, there's always a chemistry session at the beginning of any coaching relationship just to check out that you're both going to work together. Because the reality of it is, is that we don't all get on with everybody else and we don't always see eye to eye and we, and, you know, we don't like everybody. And as a coach, I'm not, you know, not instantly going to be the person that everybody wants to work with. My style might not work. My approach might not work. Equally, somebody's needs might be where that actually that's not for me. I, I can't, you want something which isn't what I can do. So, you know, if I can signpost you towards somebody else, then I will. That's really, that's really important. And the whole process of contracting and understanding what you're going to get out of the relationship from both sides and what people need from that relationship and what they bring to it is really important. But then I suppose in some ways it's a bit, for me, it's about allowing people the space and the time to think about themselves, um, to be a little bit introspective. We live in a very busy world where in some ways introspection isn't necessarily something that's valued. Um, it's something that we do. It's something that we, some people do it well. Some people don't do it well. Some people can reflect, some people can't. Um, and I think for me, coaching is a big, a big part of that is about people's ability and desire to be introspective. So first step is about, you know, that looking at yourself. Then to me, it's about looking at what it is that about yourself that you know, where where could you have better impact? Where do you feel that you, your individual performance could be improved? What do you think you could do differently? What would you want to do differently? You know, what doesn't work for you? Um, and then having some conversations about that, which is very much about starting to think about goal setting and starting to think about what, you know, what on the scale, what do you want to move the scale to? You know, do you want to move it from zero to 10? Do you want to move it from five and a half to six? doesn't really matter from the coach's point of view. But it matters for the individual's point of view. What does that? What's that scale? What's the metric? How will you know that you've done it? Um, and then some exploration around what's 
you know, what are the barriers? What are the things that prevent you from doing things differently? What are the things that will help you do things differently? What what tactics can you start to develop for yourself? What strategies can you start to develop for yourself? Um, and then encouraging people to take action. You know, how do people take action? The most important thing for me about coaching is being a mirror. At the end of the day, you know, you know, you're holding a mirror up to somebody. You're there to be that honest broker if you like so if somebody's telling you a porky and you can you can spot the porky you know you hold the mirror up to that and you just say well you know what you've just said to me doesn't doesn't add up and you're there to be quite challenging you're there to be supportive but you also are there to be quite challenging and again you know that comes down to style it comes down to approach it works for some people and not for others uh, coaching is all about helping other people achieve what they want to achieve is i, I think is the, the phrase you used or something was around that but how do you define success for praxis then so because what, what is is success for you them achieving if that makes sense yeah i mean yeah it is i mean i think and i think this is why i talk at the very start of this piece we talked about you know for me coaching is the most pure one of the most purest forms of learning and development because it's about giving people a platform for themselves to think about what they need to do differently to perform better. So in terms of as a coach and as praxis, if we're if I'm working with an individual or working with a group or a team, then it's about how it's about helping them make sense of their current situation and making some decisions about what it is that they want to do differently not what i say they should do differently or what i think they should do differently but what do they want to do differently and sometimes that might be about feedback you know it might be about creating feedback routines it could be that you send somebody out to go out and get some feedback or it could be that you use a psychometric or something like that to 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 create some data um, and then we have a conversation around the data, but the reality of it is it doesn't, in some ways that doesn't really matter, but what matters is that the individual or the team or the group that you're working with make some decisions about what they want to be different. And for me, if, if someone's doing that, that's success because that means that, and if it's having an impact and it's having a positive impact, then for me that I've done my job, I've done what I want to do. And I get a lot of pleasure out of that, which is, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say, you know, it's fairly altruistic. And that's what, you know, I, 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 it's my soul food as a, as a practitioner. That's, that's my soul food. If, if we can get onto time, time is racing as <laughs> usual, but maybe if we can get onto some of the uh, sort of, I'll say personal questions, but I don't mean personal in that way. I mean, let's pull on some of your experience. So we've, we're fortunately finally starting to see some light at the end of this very long COVID tunnel. And, uh, and hopefully it's the same for you in France as it is here in the UK. I, I, I don't know. Maybe let's not get into that whole thing, but what do you want to see happen in L and D in the next 12 months now that we are coming out of that? I think it's I think it's interesting and and I'm a little bit resistant to talk about the pandemic in some ways because I think that the pandemic has potentially become a bit of a you know reason for everything you know it's a bit like when we have a recession the recession's a reason to change everything the the pandemic in terms of learning has 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 definitely made some changes but it's not really about learning it's about human behavior so for me, what's what it's done is, is it's given a lot of people a lot of opportunity to think about what's important to them in their lives. 
and what do they want out of their lives um you know and how does work which is an important part of our lives how does work give them that and what do they what do they need to what do they need to do differently maybe to to get what they need as people as well as as, as employees um and so i think from from a learning point of view i hope that we as learning development professionals start to recognize that people are people um we don't we 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 continue to challenge ourselves as 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 the as the farmers sheep dipping our flocks um with training um but increasingly look to how do we how do we um how do we personalize learning how do we ensure people have choice how do we create consumerism in learning you know it's very for me it's about it's not about a cynical you know selling training it's it's consumers as learners people making active choices about what they want how they want to access it when they want to access it you know what's important to them um so for me did you expect that to happen um i see trends i see green shoots of that i think technology sort of driving that i think things like microsoft viva are going to start to change and be a bit disruptor within the marketplace for for most learning providers especially in the digital learning sectors um i see that the the shift in nature of people being interested and curious about content is shifting and and i think technology will reflect that in the simple things like the ability to search, host and search will change so it become less owned by learning departments and more owned by it potentially you know some would probably shudder at that thought from a learning community <laughs> point of view um but it becomes much more about can the technology host content in a way which we want to serve it can we curate that content can we search on that content and then do we trust our people enough to be able to for them to fulfill their learning needs themselves so they can perform so actually the focus is much more about performance and measuring performance as as, as employees and as businesses and it is about just making sure that people do stuff because then that's that's the tick in the box um fantastic um i just wonder if i can pick your brains a bit about you're obviously very well read and you know you you like your research and you like a good training model as much as everyone else does but maybe can you recommend a sort of maybe a a good book or or a blog or a podcast or or, or if if people want to dig deeper into this whole sort of leadership and and coaching thing where's a good place to start I i mean coaching is it's a cottage industry you know there's so much out there there's so much out there um but I would I would suggest that you know if you're interested in transformational coaching, which is sort of what I class the sort of work that I do, which is much more about behaviours and values, then a good starting point is um, Nancy Klein. I don't know if you come across Nancy Klein's work, um, and she's sort of um, it's a bit of a guru in the transformational coaching world, um, and she's written some really good books um, which are worth digging out you know and, and having having a read about and it's a very different approach and very different way to think about coaching um than it is about whitmore's stuff which is great you know john whitmore's brilliant you know uh, you know if you read john whitmore's early stuff it's really really good grow model is whitmore it's all that stuff from very practical tactical stuff so if, you, if you're a, a tactical person and you want to do more tactical stuff whitmore's a great place 
if you're more interested in the transformational stuff, then Klein is probably a good place to start, you know, and just enjoy, enjoy the journey. I'd say, you know, enjoy, don't, don't necessarily listen to people like me, but enjoy your making your own journey, your own pathway. Don't say that, Jez. At least you didn't say don't listen to people like me at the start of the podcast. <laughs> at least you've done it at the end. <laughs> it's not, not the best way to sell something. Okay, cool. Um, I, I've got two two final ones for you. So first one is, um, is there a piece of tech or a software, or a piece of software or an app that you can't live without? That's the first one. Oof, um, I'm going to say no. I mean, at the moment, Zoom probably on Teams are probably the key things for me. And, you know, and maybe going forward um, as I'm... Sorry, let let me pick up on that because people might have missed it earlier. So you you moved to France and you're managing a a consultancy from France, basically. So Zoom and Teams and that must just be like your bread and butter, right? Yeah, maybe that's why I don't think of them as things like... They're they're almost like essentials now, the hygiene factors rather than anything else. They're certainly not satisfiers. Um, so yeah, I mean, my model is digital. So you know, I, I, I am I'm passionate about being having a lifestyle. You know, at the end of the day, I've made the choices so I have a better personal lifestyle, um, and that's what COVID's done for me is given me the opportunity to do that. So yeah, things like Zoom connectivity sort of stuff. Again, I don't, I just don't see that now as being anything special. I just see that as being part of day to day life. Um, yeah. But yeah, I couldn't. I, if 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 it didn't have zooms and teams, then I'd be out of business. So I probably need. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. I think I think we've all relied on Zoom an awful lot over the last eighteen months. So, last one for you. So, um, what's your ultimate weekend look like? Well, it changes. Um, the, if it's a choice thing, then probably getting up late, going to the local baker's, eating bread maybe then going for a bike ride at some point in the nice Normandy sunshine. And not that there's that much of that at the moment. Um, drinking some wine with friends, eating cheese. That's, that's sort of the, the aspiration at the moment. I'm, I'm doing up a, a, an old cottage. So most of my weekends tend to be involved in plum, plumbing bits and um, dirty floorboards. So, you know, it's not very glamorous currently, but fun, but good fun absolutely it would be worth it in the end i'm sure and and the very last one because i know we are against time so if people want to continue the conversation with you or, or or you know think talk to you about what you offer what you offer or you know if you, they think their business can benefit from a chat with praxis how, how's the best way to contact you i mean probably um my website is due to go live very shortly so search on praxis.com um then that should come up or praxisperformance.com is, is my url because i couldn't get praxis unfortunately somebody else got it some accountancy firm in vancouver or something bizarrely <laughs> so if you go praxis.com you'll come to an accountancy firm in vancouver so praxisperformance.com is my my url or alternately linkedin just just search jez anderson on linkedin um and contact me through there i'm, I'm i monitor my linkedin profile quite a lot so um so yeah so by all means contact me through that or of you know through people in box they know me so i'd be uh, you know e- equally happy to work through them too lovely that that's first very kind uh, jess thank, thanks once again for your time today and uh, as ever um I'll, I'll, I'll be open to your thoughts on what went well and what i can improve on next time i'll take this as a coaching call so uh, i'll speak to you soon mate cheers thanks paul take care well that wraps things up for another show thanks for taking the time to listen if you've enjoyed the chat today please follow us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your shows if you'd like to find out more about how people unbox to helping learners stop forgetting 
You can visit us at peopleunboxed.co.uk or follow us on Twitter where we're at People Unboxed. Until next time, take care of yourselves.